Well, good evening. Uh, so glad you're here tonight. Thanks for being here for Fight for Your Family. You, you probably know about this ministry. It's a ministry to marriage and to parenting, and just the idea is to resource uh, folks in our church uh, who are trying to do things right and trying to do things in a biblical manner. So, so glad you're here. This was inspired by uh, Nehemiah himself. Uh, he had been tasked to do a very big project, and he faced some opposition. And through that, the, the people he was leading got discouraged and disoriented and uh, distraught. And so at one point, he just stopped the whole production and said, look, here's what we've got to do right now. And so he did Nehemiah 4.14. Can you read this with me? We're just together. Ready? Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. So today we would say that we have a big project too, just like Nehemiah. Our project is raising kids, uh, raising kids in this culture, raising kids in a Christian home, in a godly manner, in a way that they'll follow the Lord Jesus throughout their life. And we know that we have an enemy who's out to try to stop us in that, and we can get discouraged, disoriented, distraught as well. So we know that our charge is to keep fighting for our family. So that's what we're about tonight, and I want to thank you for being here and being a part of this. I'm real excited about it. Now, this series tonight begins, it's called We Have a Plan. It's a seven-week series, and I'm super excited about getting rolling with this. I want to share with you a gentleman's name, Kurt Bruner. Uh, Kurt is an author and speaker, and he came, in, he came to our church in 2011 from Texas. He helped us start HomePoint. Home Point was our first shot at really getting serious about family ministry. And we had Home Point centers across the church that are now Fight for Your Family centers. And um, he said this. He said, few of us as parents ever move beyond accidental parenting to intentional parenting. Um, we would not want that said of anybody here at Bellevue. And so that's the reason we have this ministry is to help all of us move to intentional parenting. And if you're filling in your blanks on your page with your golf pencils, that might be your very first thing to fill in. Um, we want to move beyond accidental parenting and move to intentional parenting uh, in our efforts here at this church. Now, uh, what we're doing is we're going through seven weeks together. Uh, we'll do a, tonight is a plan for my family. We'll do a plan for discipleship, for time together, for living on mission, for godly and biblical discipline, for developing character, and even for the tough years. And um, if you don't have teenagers yet, I just want to let you know that tough years may be coming in your future. So just know that. Um, so hopefully we'll walk away after seven weeks together. And I want to invite you to stay with me for these full seven weeks. Hopefully we'll walk away just better prepared uh, to, to make it more likely for faith to happen in our homes. Now, what I like about you guys is a few weeks back in our other class, we did a survey, and many of you helped fill the survey out, just asking about planning efforts and things like that. And what you said was very encouraging to me. One of the questions, we'll study, we'll hit all these questions in the seven weeks. One of the questions was this. Um, it was a statement. It said, I don't think I need to plan for my family. I'll just roll with it. We'll just wing it. And the, almost the entire majority of you in the other class back a couple weeks ago with Ken Heineman said, I very much disagree with that. We need a plan, okay? I don't want to just roll with it. I don't want to wing parenting. I need a plan. And so the, you're here tonight, so I just want to say thank you, and I'm really encouraged that, that, you've here, that you've shown up tonight and that you're here. So let me pray for us. You're here, I'm here, and we invite the Lord in, and we're going to jump into it. Well, Father, we praise your name, and we thank you for each person who's here. And God, I thank you for how you've gifted them with a child, and I just thank you that they're here tonight to, to continue to learn how to raise their child in a godly home and point their child toward, child toward you, Jesus. So we invite your presence into this room. We ask that you take over the teaching and just give it a sweet night together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, the Lord has given each of us something worth planning for, and it's found in this verse. This is Psalm 127, 3. Would you all read this with me off the screen? Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. So the Israelites took real joy in their kids, and obviously we take joy in our kids as well. I had a quick question. When was the first time when you thought of yourself as a family? Was it when you got married, or was it when you had your first child? Y'all talk to me. What do you think? When you had your first child. When you had your first child. Okay. Anybody agree with that? When you had your first child? Yep. Generally, that's when you think, man, we're a family now. We've got a kid with us now. It's a, it's a family. Um, that may be also when you've been thinking of we're a family, but also we need to plan. We've got to figure out how do we raise this little fellow or how do we raise this little girl? How do we do this? We've got to have a plan in what we do. 
So let's pause just for a second right there. And I just want to ask you, in a general sense, what does it mean, in a general sense, what does it mean to have a plan? Just, just generally think, talking about plans, what's it mean to have a plan? Y'all talk to me. What do you think? Okay, I got to have an idea, okay, of where going and how to get there, right? Where going and how? Okay, got it. Get organized. Man, I'm getting organized on something. I got a plan for it. That's right. You have to have a reason to have a plan. Okay, got to have a reason. Okay, I got to have a reason, right? Got to have a goal, okay? Good reason to have a plan is to have a goal to shoot for, right? Okay, I have a reason to have a plan, then have a goal once I get there. Yep. Anybody else? What's it mean to have a plan? What are, you got structure. Yeah, man, I got, I, got a, I got a runway. I got a pathway. I got some structure. I know where I'm going. Good. One more? Be prepared. Be prepared. Yep. I'm be prepared. Yep. I'm going to plan for something coming up, and I'll be prepared for it. Good. Good deal. All right, now, let me ask this one. What are, and just in general terms, what are the benefits of having a plan? Order. Order. Love it. Love it. Love it. I've got, if I've got a plan, man, i got order. Good. I like that. Yep. Strong. I like it. Structure. Structure. Yep. Man, I've got structure. i got order. Who else? Success. Success. Good, I like that. Yep. If I strategy. I got a strategy. Man, I got a plan. It's gonna lead to some success. I can see it. That's right. A couple more. Confidence. Okay, confidence. Man, this plan gives me confidence. We could can pull this off. And discipline. Discipline. That's right. You know, um, there's some accountability with a plan, right? Hey, I've got a plan. It's written down. I can hold myself accountable to it. Or, in my case, if my wife and I make a plan, Susan can hold me accountable. She said, well, hey, I thought we talked about doing this by this date. Um, so there's accountability in it and all those things. Good, good deal. Um, interesting for us here at church. So when I first got here 20 years ago, the different ministries all had their own plans, had their own structures, you know, what NextGen did was very different and what adults were going after and children's and music and recreation and all those things. It wasn't until 2008 when Brother Steve pulled together and, 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 and just sought the Lord and pulled together a mission statement. And um, based off this mission statement, what it did was it gave all the ministries clarity and direction. And the benefit for us on having, uh, knowing what our mission was, knowing where we were going as a church, was simply this. It gave us agreed upon clarity. So we knew, hey, we had a mission, okay? We had a, a plan to follow. So all the ministries now, we all kind of got rid of our own mission statements and went straight for this one. So the mission that, that the church came up with gave all the ministries agreed upon clarity where we're going. And the great thing is, it's so simple that a five-year-old can recite it. So we felt very good about it. Um, now, one more question. Why, let me ask this question, why do we as parents need a plan? We talked about um, what a plan is, benefits of a plan, but why do parents need a plan? We're not good at winging it. Okay, we're not good at winging it, right? You tell them, Kyle, not good at winging it. Not in the long-term You wouldn't want to see us winging it, would you? No, yep. Really not. Excellent. What else? Why else? He's got a plan, Audra. That's right. If we don't have a plan, we can be ensured the enemy's got a plan, right? Absolutely. Okay? Yeah, we need that, right? Yep. Needed consistency for the parents and for the kids, right? Some boundaries, some borders, some structure. We have to be prioritized. Okay, yep. That's right. I need a plan so I can prioritize what's important. Love it. Can I get one more? Why do we as parents need a plan? 
be effective. Okay. You said effective. Yes. Yep. So Susan and I, we thought we could kind of wing it when we had the first child. We went number two, then three, and then four, and then five came along. We realized we gotta have a plan. <laughs> we're outnumbered, okay? When we hit number three, like, okay, we're outnumbered, we gotta have a plan. Um, so why do we need to plan? Great reasons why uh, to look at going forward. We're gonna keep talking about this throughout these seven weeks. Now, I wanna share something with you. Um, I'm gonna focus on, in a sense, kind of one key word here. Um, I'm going to kind of go to the, what we just talked about, but I want to focus on that one word. That one word is why. Um, why do we need a plan? Uh, we're going to talk for a few moments about this and understand why we need a plan, um, why we have a plan, and why would we even work a plan once we make it. Um, the concept is kind of the idea of just knowing your why, and there's a lot of logic behind this. You may have heard more about this or seen or read or studied some of this, but I want you to hear tonight from Jason Pyron on this topic. Jason's in the room. Um, Jason's our pastor to leadership development and the ministries. He's on our executive team. He gets a chance to meet with Drew and Brother Steve a lot, and they make the they get a chance to make some major decisions where God's taking our church. And um, he does a phenomenal job. One of the most gifted and talented guys on our staff. I'm not just saying that because he's here, uh, but but all the staff know that. So thankful that he's a gift to our church and each of us here. Three kids. He and Dory. They're all still in high school. Yep. Lane's about to launch. And Madeline and Marley are following quick after that. So, Jason, we'll give you the floor and let you share more about the concept of knowing your why. Yeah, man. Everybody doing okay? I'm already feeling old in the room because Kyle Higginbotham's in the room. And I had him as a middle schooler when I came here, and now he's a dad. Uh, So... Thanks for that, Kyle. The only student pastor I've ever known. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, like Tim said, uh, three kids. I have an 18-year-old son who's a senior in high school going to uh, college in the fall, which is crazy to say. And he was three months old when we came to Bellevue. Uh, and uh, then my daughter is 17. My oldest daughter is 17. She's a junior. Uh, and then my youngest is 15. So all three in high school. And this is the only church they've ever known, Uh, and it's been incredible for them. And like I said, it's pretty wild just to be here in front of you. I am uh, really, neither one of us are experts, but Dory is much closer to being that than I am. Uh, So uh, if you don't know my wife, her name is Dory, and she's involved with women's ministry, and uh, she would be up here tonight with us. She's gone to the hospital to be with her grandmother, and uh, but she has a lot of wisdom in this. But we are so not experts. But I can tell you what we've tried and why we've tried it and why we've done it. And this, this idea of why is really important. Uh, you've all heard the jokes before of how hard it can be to hear your kids ask you over and over again, why? Why? And my kids, our kids were like that all the time. Why? Why do you want us to do this? Or ask them to do something. Go, why? Why do you want us to do that? And we know that the number one answer that we get to tell our kids is, because I said so. Uh, and that's good. That does not fly in here, though, today. So we're not going to just say because Tim says so or I say so that you should um, parent your kids well or that you should pass on your faith to them well. It's important that you know the why behind what you are doing. In the same way your kids want to know the why, they're not always wrong to want to know that. We want to be able to know the why behind we're doing what we're doing. If we're going to pass our faith along to our kids, why? Why is that important? Well, first, uh, I want to look, and I, I, I know y'all are taking notes. Uh, I don't have anything on the screens here, and I know you've heard these verses before, but the first part of the why, and I'm going to actually give you some practical also in how you live out that why, but the first part of that why really comes down to because God says so, uh, because he commands us to. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You've heard this before. If you've been in any parenting class, then you've probably heard this before. But Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7, uh, this is the command. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. This is what the word of the Lord says in Deuteronomy. This is what's passed down uh, to the parents, to the adults. 
This is what you are to do. You are to teach your children what I have taught you. What you have learned, you pass that on to them. How do you do that? You do that as you go. As you're sitting at home, as you're out and about, you do these things. This morning um, was a great example of that for me. Does anybody in here happen to work for the Ford dealership here in town? I just want to ask that. Okay, good. So this morning, uh, I had to take my truck because it had a couple of recalls on it six months ago, and they said, bring it in on this day at 7 a.m. All right, got it. So I brought it in, and uh, I, long story short is, is that uh, there were two recalls on it. One of them I'd already replaced because I didn't know it was a recall, and I can't get my money back, and the other one they had to order a part six months after they told me to bring it in. So I didn't get any of that done, but here's what I did do. I have five other pastors that live in my neighborhood that go to Bellevue, and they were coming in to work, and I could have easily gotten a ride with them. At the same time, I knew this is one of those great opportunities for me to have a little bit of time with one of my driving kids who need to go to work or to school. So I asked my son this morning, I said, hey, could you get up this morning, 630? We're going to get up. We're going to get out of here. We're going to be the first ones in line at the Ford place. And he said, I can do that. He had an apologetics class here at 730, so it worked out with him. What he didn't know is for me, I could have gotten a ride from five other people in my neighborhood, but I knew this is going to be some one-on-one -on -one time, just the two of us. And I knew that I could ask him, what did you read about this morning? And I knew there's a chance he might go, I didn't read, Dad. I just woke up in time to get ready to take you. But he did. He would read. He would read it out of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. He's been reading through that. He chose that a few months ago. And so he told me about it. And after we dropped my truck off and I rode into the church here today with him, just for that seven, eight minutes that we had, I got to hear something about what he's reading in his Bible. And then I got to tell him, I'm in the middle of Jeremiah. I've kind of committed to that for the next months. And so I'm in the middle of Jeremiah and I got to tell him all about it and how idolatry really plays out in Jeremiah and how we can make idols of a lot of different things. And you know what? We got here, and I walked into the church, and he probably didn't go, you know what? That is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Or, man, what a great time with my dad. But we did have a chance for that seven or eight minutes in the truck just to have a conversation that went beyond, do you have what you need today? Uh, um, be nice to your mom when you see her. Uh, don't do anything stupid. It was, let's have some real conversation. Let's talk about the Lord today. Uh, let's, let's hear where you are in your walk. What are you learning? And believe me, I want to be the first to tell you that is so not every morning. And there are some days that I crave alone time to not have to have my kid in the car with me, um, that I can just listen to something that I have sports radio or nothing at all or a worship song. So, but I know that I need to take advantage of the opportunities I have. Why? <clears throat> but God got, because God commands me to. The second part of that why is, is because it is my responsibility. It's my why to pass my faith on to my kids. I absolutely love Steve Spence, our high school pastor. He's actually one of the five pastors. He lives at the end of my street. I love Steve Spence, our high school pastor. It is not his responsibility to help my kids grow in their faith. He's, it, I want him to do that, but it is not primarily his responsibility. It's mine. It doesn't say in this passage in Deuteronomy 6 that the ministers of the church or the leaders of the church or good people, it says it's talking to the parents when you are with your children, pass this on to them. So it is the why is also that it's your responsibility. It's God's responsibility or God gives us the responsibility and it's your job to do this. Your why is because you are called to do this. Now, you do not have to do this in a grand way. I will be completely honest. When I went from two kids to three kids, I was about to have our third child. I went to lunch with this man right here, and I asked him, I feel like we're about to get, I know you've heard this before, kind of this kind of statement, but this is exactly what I told him sitting in the Jim and Nick's booth. I said, we are about to go from man to man to a zone coverage here with three kids. And I, I don't know, it wasn't about the three kids. It was about time with my wife with three kids. How are we going to do this? And so I went to lunch with Tim and said, how do you do this? At the time, I believe they had, they had the four. How do, you, how do you go about maintaining relationship with your wife and being a family man with your responsibilities here at work with all these kids? And that was an important thing for me to hear from others. How do you do this? Because I knew it's my responsibility to lead my family. But I will tell you this. When I got finished with that lunch, I was both really encouraged by Tim and terrified. Because Tim, 
told me about, I, I, I won't even go into all the details, but I remember, I remember the, the great time that you told me that you and Susan, it was, if you were folding laundry, you found half an hour to be able to talk together and have that one-on-one time. But also, I was intimidated by him because they were having family Bible studies at night. And in my head, I thought, I just want to get him to bed. I just, I just, please, let's just, let's not be bleeding at the end of the night, you know? Um, but they were having Bible studies. And, and uh, at that time, his kids were young, worship time together. And I just longed for that. But, but I, I'm saying this to say to y'all, um, and I know it hasn't always been clean and clear all the time for the Shelton family, but it looks different for everybody. And that's okay. It's not about exactly how you do it. It's that you know your why behind it and you know that you are called to it. As a parent, you are called to pass on your faith to your children. They are not living out your faith, but they are watching you. They are understanding your faith and making it their own. Uh, so I want to give you three, can, three things if I can. This might be getting ahead a little bit, Tim, of where you're headed with it, but I just uh, these are things for us that have really worked because y'all are talking about the why, but you're talking about having a plan. My, uh, and I also want to say this to you as a caveat as well. I had the most incredible parents. My mom and dad loved me. They were believers. They were leaders in the church. Everything was great. I cannot tell you, with that said, I cannot tell you one time. I'm sure it happened, but I cannot tell you one time that my dad sat down with me and said, look at this passage of scripture, let's walk through it together. Now, he's awesome, he still teaches, Uh, he's retired, but he teaches a a life group uh, at their church. I mean, he's all in. He didn't have the talk with me about the birds and the bees or whatever you would call that. He didn't have that. I've done all of that with my son. Uh, My wife's done that with our daughters. He didn't have, he was not that intentional. But at the same time, he was so intentional. It was as we were going. But it was, it, I'm, I want to give you hope. If maybe that's not you, don't feel like, I haven't done this with my kids. I've failed at this. How are they going to turn out? If you will just be intentional in the time that you spend with them. And that's the first thing that I want to say to you. My dad told me all the time, if you don't, uh, if you don't have a plan, uh, then you are planning to fail, right? Um, my dad told me that a lot as a kid. He did tell me that. I remember that. Uh, but three things that I want to encourage you in as you are passing this faith on. How do you pass this faith on? So I've given you the why. Let's talk a little bit about the how, okay? Uh, the first one is this, is shared time. Shared time. And this is not just any time. This is purposeful time. You are spending purposeful time with your kids, right? Your presence equals caring. Uh, One of the things that I do here at the church is I work with our intern program. It's one of my most favorite things to be a part of, and I meet with them. uh, Every Wednesday we meet for discipleship, and today this is what we talked about. When you want to really um, enter into somebody's life and help them uh, and care for them and shepherd them well, it starts with relationship. And relationship leads to transformation. We want to go in and help transform something. We want our kids to be the best. We want them to love the Lord. We want them to make wise choices. We want them to be transformed in this way. How does that happen? Obviously, we're not factoring out the Lord. It's the relationship with the Lord, but also it's your relationship with them. And how do you build a relationship with them? Time. Your time shows that you care. So shared time. And y'all, we live, y'all know this, we live in a overcommitted, underconnected society. We are so uh, distantly connected. We are so overly committed. You probably all came from something and you maybe all have something after this. We're overly committed, but we're underconnected. That we really have a connection. The number one connection we ought to have is with our spouse and then with our kids um, after the Lord. So I encourage you, create some intentional time. If you want to live out that why, then create some intentional time. That can be reading the Bible together. That can be talking about the Lord together. It can also be driving to the Ford dealership with your child just for a few minutes. Or it can be just a plethora of other things. It's about spending time uh, with your kids. Shared time with them. The next one is this, shared traditions. Shared traditions. And not traditions just for tradition's sake, but with a why behind them. But have shared, make shared traditions with your kids. And this can be grand or this can be uh, very simple. 
Some traditions maybe have been passed along from your family. Uh, my wife, she grew up in Tipton County. Her family is still there, live on a farm. And they have a driveway that's about a quarter of a mile long. All, there's like 12 family houses on this farm. And they live at the very end of it. It's about a quarter mile drive to get from their house to where you can't see cars anymore that leave the driveway. And they have this huge, beautiful front porch. And the very first time that uh, we started dating when I was in, when we were in college, uh, my freshman year of college, and I went home to meet her family. And as we were there, somebody came to the house and they left the house in their car. And we're all sitting in the den and all of a sudden the whole family gets up. And I'm, I have no idea what we're doing, but I get up because I like her and want to do what she wants me to do. So we get up and we all go out to the front porch. And as we go out to the front porch, they all start waving and waving and waving and waving for a quarter of a mile until that car is out of sight. That car had also stopped about halfway, rolled down their windows and waved back and honked their horn. And this happened. And I'm, I'm too nervous to say, what was that? So we just go back inside and then somebody else comes and visit. And no, no kidding, we do the whole thing again. So I finally say, hey, Dory, tell me about this. She's like, that's what we do. When people come to visit our home, we want them to know we're glad they came. So we wave at them until they're out of sight just to let them know we'll miss you. Okay. You know what we do? We go out to our front porch every day. We live at the end of a cove. We don't, we don't live on the farm. We live at the end of a cove. And I, I always joke with my wife, we bought our house for one reason. Miguel's been to our house. We bought our house for one reason. What do you think it is? We have a front porch. We have a big front porch. We sit on it just about every night, no matter the weather. But we stand on that front porch and we wave to everybody until they get to the end of our street and make the turn and they're gone. And we do that, once again, to let them know we're so glad you came. Our kids do it. Dory and I will be sitting there. There'll be somebody that's been at our house three times that day. Dory and I will be sitting there, and one of the girls are going to go, hey, let's go wave. And we go out to the front porch, and we wave. We probably waved at Miguel when he came. Miguel is an awesome construction guy. You should use him. And when he came to our house, we probably waved at Miguel. I'm telling you uh, that's a tradition for our family. It's something we do. Uh, together. It's a tradition that we formed to say, we love you guys. Thank you for coming to our house. And we do that together as a family. And if you come to our house and you're not the one leaving, you'll go wave with us as well. So it's a tradition uh, that we've made. That's a planned tradition for us. But sometimes there are uh, those spontaneous things that come up that become tradition. But I encourage you, have those shared traditions. What is it that your family has that will help you pass on to your kids this faith. In that case, we're passing on to our kids a love for people. We're saying people matter. We're saying that they're important and that it was a big deal to us that they came to our house and we want them to know they're loved. That's what that is. That's not just a, a silly thing. It really is us saying, we think a lot of you. That's part of passing on our faith to our kids. I really do believe they'll do the same thing. I don't know if they'll buy a house with a front porch or not, but I know that they will think twice about showing love to the people that come and visit. They'll, they'll really value showing hospitality to people from the time they enter their home until the time they live, leave. So uh, shared traditions. So shared time, shared traditions, and then the last thing is shared values. Shared values. It is proven that kids who have regular faith conversations in the home are much more likely to adhere to their family values when they leave. If those family values are rooted in the Word of God, children are much more prone to hang on to those and to carry those with them when they leave your home. So what you are doing, the values, are, what do we value? I'll even go back to that example. We value people. We value community. That's a value that we're passing on to our kids by doing that silly tradition, by doing that silly thing. But whatever you value, so for us, and once again, I just, I want to be so clear. I don't want to air all our dirty laundry. We're just so, if it were up to my wife, we'd have it every night on the hour, at the same minute every night, and it would work out perfectly. But I, there's a reality to everything. We do not sit down together every night as a family and pray together. We try. We try. We try to make sure the last thing we do before we all go to bed is to pray together hug each other, tell each other we love each other, for sure. But there's some nights we're really, really tired, and that doesn't happen. So I just want to be real with you. We try every morning uh, to get up. We, we have uh, time that we really value as a family before um, I go to work 
now my oldest daughter goes to work, my son goes to work, they're going to school. They're all homeschooled, but they're dual enrolled, and they're, they're all over the place. But no matter what, we try to get up in the morning and we share a nugget with each other every morning together. This morning, my son and I were going to the Ford Place. My daughter had to be at work at 6.45, so at 6.15, we're sitting on the couches. They're so tired, and they've all read their Bible, um, and they share some kind of nugget. Today, it was out of Ecclesiastes again for my son. It was Jeremiah for me. It's Galatians for my wife. It's Romans for my, youngest, for my oldest daughter, and it was Psalms today for um, the other daughter. But we try to share some. This is what I read. This is what I got out of this. Because I always say, all right, so how are we going to apply this today? And that whole thing for all five of us lasts less than 15 minutes. And then we're out the door and we're on our way. There are other times that they don't wake up on time. Or um, I'm, I'm running behind or whatever, and that doesn't happen. But we try to. What are we trying to do? We're trying to show that we value time and the Word of God. That we're going to make this the most important thing we do as we start our day. And then we're going to share about it. And we're going to learn from it. And we're going to be in the Word uh, together, uh, individually and then together as a family. Um, so if you want to have these shared values, one of the ideas that I would give to you, I read this in a book back when my kids were probably five, four, and two. But it was the idea of just taking a note card to start out and saying, in the next six months, what do I want to put value on and share with my kids? So it's not this grand plan, by the time they're 18, we're going to have this. Uh, but in the next six months, what do I want to put value on and share with my kids? And it could be, I want to value that, we, that they're in the Word just a little bit, and that we just talk about God's Word for five minutes, uh, once a week, or once a day, or, or whatever that may be is. But what is it that you want to pass on to them? What is it you want to teach them? When I was, uh, when my kids were so much younger, I went to a, a meeting somewhere and somebody gave me this, um, the name of this app. And I won't even give it to you because I hope you never have it. But it was an app that basically, it gave you a countdown. You could put in there how old to the day that your kids were and it would tell you how long you have until they graduate. And it was miserable. It was, it, I just, I hated looking at it going, oh my gosh, uh, you know, I had... Um, I had 700 days and now I have 200 days or that many weeks and now I have this many weeks. It did not help me at all. If I could break it down and go, instead, what can I do in the next six months? How can I help in the next six months? It was much more valuable to me to help me. What values do I want to share with them? What is it that I want to pass down to them? All going back to why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I spending the time in the car with them? Why am I sitting around the dinner table? We, we've tried to value that as much as we can. Why am I doing these things? God's called me to, and he's put me in this position, not their student pastor, not their teacher at school, not even their greatest discipler outside of the home. They have put me as the primary disciple maker in their home. They've put my wife as the primary disciple maker in their house. And when you do all of this, the last thing that I'll give you, and then I'm done, is this is that you are trying to create, um, you're trying to help them believe, right? You're trying to help them trust in the Lord. That's, that's also in this why. Why are you doing this? Because you want to help them believe that, the, that God is who he says he is. You want to help them trust in the Lord when they get into these hard, hard situations or when they feel alone or anxiety is upon them. You want them to trust in the Lord. The why is not so that they will have good behavior. That is not the why. If you aim at that, then you're going to feel like you're failing a lot because that's a moving target because what you consider good behavior, somebody else might not think that that's necessary or it's just an outward thing for them. It's not a heart. At the end of the day, you are trying to shape their hearts. It's the Lord that does it, but you're appointing him through your shared time, uh, through your shared traditions, through your shared values, you're helping develop their heart. And that's what it comes down to. So that's my encouragement. And as you do that, the Bible says all over the place, it's not just your kids that that will affect, but it's generations. Generations. So what you're doing with your kids um, will affect generations. It can affect generations. How your kids parent, how your kids parents, uh, who, who, how your kids' kids parent, etc. It matters what you're doing now. And I just encourage you in it. I feel like a failure a lot of days. When I look at, all right, my kid's getting ready, my first son, my first child's getting ready to leave. 
oh my goodness, I didn't do this, this, and this. And is he prepared for this? And have I done a good, oh man, I didn't show him love here. You just got to stick with it. You got to stick in it. And I've watched people like Tim and others in this room and others in this church and just been encouraged to know the Lord is ultimately at work, right? And I'm supposed to be his vessel and be used by him in this parenting role that he's put me in. So I just encourage you in that as well. Y'all be thankful. Man, that is encouraging. Thank you and very practical. We'll spend a few minutes at your tables, if you would, what we call table talk. If you would, I want you to take time, about five minutes. What is your one takeaway from what Jason just taught us? If you look back on your notes, think through this, at your table, talk about what was the one takeaway you got from what he just said. Ready, set, go. All right, we're going to bring it back together. Some great conversation on the table. Thank you so much. Uh, love to have Jason. If you ever get a chance to say hello to Jason, stop in the hallway, super guy. So we're talking about needing a plan for passing on our faith to our kids. And I want to tell you the good news is, is that God's got a plan. Uh, he's got a plan for us. Jason referred to it. We'll stick a little deeper into it. If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy 6, if you would, or you can open your, if you want to open in your phones, look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 6. What I'm going to do is just open this up and let us look at it on the screen. Now, Jason read this. Um, it's God's plan for us to follow. It's the most extensive parenting advice you can find in the Bible, Deuteronomy 6. That's why Jason said anytime there's talk teaching on parenting, we always go to Deuteronomy it's fantastic. I want to give you a little background of this, though. So the background is, is this is these are words spoken by Moses. Okay, wrote, Moses wrote Deuteronomy, and I would say he's the greatest Old Testament prophet of all the people in the Old Testament. The reason is, if you read the New Testament, Moses is the most quoted person in the New Testament. Um, so no one else in the Old Testament is quoted more than Moses is. Now, in Deuteronomy 1.1, it says he's addressing this to all Israel. Okay, so while they're still in the desert, um, he's addressing all of Israel. Now, what could have taken 11 days to get to the Promised Land, because of its obedience, it took 40 years. And so what Deuteronomy is, it's a collection of very strong sermons that Moses gives the people in the 40th year of wandering. And if the picture, if you get the picture, he's not allowed to go to the promised land because of disobedience that he had. And so God's going to send Joshua to take the people into the promised land. So it's his last year with them. And he said, I'm going to teach you all I know um, and all that God's taught me to teach you. And that's the book of Deuteronomy. So it's fantastic. We get to hold it and read through it. So let's look at it. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. On the screen, would you read this with me, please? Here we go. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now, knowing the background of this, who is the you Moses is speaking to here? People of Israel. The Israelite people. That's exactly right. And likely, it's mostly adults. Mostly adults that's in the audience when he's talking. Now, how would you describe what this verse means? If you were reading this to somebody... And they said, man, what's that mean? How would you, in your own words, how would you say what that means, that verse? Say yeah, to love him, love, love, love the Lord, right? Just to, man, put him first, right? Anybody else? With all that you have, like just everything that you are. Yeah, everything within you. Everything within yeah. Does it leave any room for idols? No room for idols. Does it leave any room for wavering about whether you love the Lord or not? No room for that, right? Um, how important is it that we get this as Christians? How important is that? Yeah, it's like the most important, right? No doubt. Um, we're to choose Him as our, as our intimate relationship. Um, we're, choose to, we're to choose Him to give Him all of ourselves and to love Him wholeheartedly with every aspect. It's so important that our Lord Jesus is the one who came back and quoted this. And you'll see this. This is in, appears in three different Gospels. In Mark 12, 30, Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? And he comes in and he says, it's to love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. But then also you read the same thing in John in Luke 10, 27. Same stories recounted there. Same words of, of going back to Moses' words. And also in Matthew 22. It's the same story recorded. So three Gospels recorded. Jesus said, this is the foremost commandment. 
This is the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So right now with my five sons, something I'm telling them and I'm repeating it to them quite often is that I have, I have at 52 years old, I have one lifelong goal. And the lifelong goal for me is when I'm on my deathbed and can look around that bed and see my wife and see all five of my boys, is to be able to lay there and know that all five of my sons love the Word of God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. If I can know that, what a gift that would be for me to take to heaven with me, know that all five of my sons love the Lord. Um, that's where I am uh, right now. So let's do Deuteronomy 5. Let's read together verse 6. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. So in verse 5, Moses says, here's what you're to do. What's he telling the Israelites to do in verse 6? What's he saying in verse 6 to do? Okay, yeah. So, Angel, you got to learn them, and then you can hide them in your heart, right? Um, I'm commanding you today, these words, God's commands, which I'm commanding you today as, a, as the spokesperson for the Lord, shall be on your heart. Let me ask you, let's say you go home tonight, and then tomorrow, um, this little post-it note appears in your mailbox. You go out to check the mail, and it's just sitting there. And you recognize it's written by a neighbor that lives across the street from you. Um, what, what would this mean? When someone writes a note like that to you, what's that mean? They're thinking about you. Yeah. Okay, he sent them, right? Yeah, I mean, you've just been on my heart lately. And I've been praying for you. I've been thinking about you. The Lord sent this. He's, you put, he's putting you on my heart. Anybody else, what you'd say, what that means? Yeah, that, poor, that person really cares about me. You know, I've been on their heart. That's right. If someone, if, if someone's on your heart, that means that you've got a, a burden for them. You're, you're carrying a weight for them. You, you've really been, you've kind of stepped into, with empathy, into what they're going through, right? I really, I'm owning what you're going through. And I, it's heavy on me. Um, with, with that context, how would you apply this to our lives today with that type of context where the, the God's command should be on your heart. Be a priority. Be um, something that's uh, important to you. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a priority to me. It's important. <laughs> it's, it's weighing on me. This is a big deal for me in my, my life. Anybody else? How you'd answer that? There you go, Audrey. Yeah, let's, we're going to filter through this. I mean, this is, this is so on my, what, God's commands are so on my heart. They've so captivated me. Anything I do is going to filter through this. I think about words like meditate, think deeply, uh, keep them close, keep God's commands close to my heart so that I can filter through. They're important to me. Um, all those things. All right, the last verse that, that Jason read for us earlier. Let's read this together. Ready? Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Okay, so God's commands, they're on the heart of the parent. Um, the parent's in a, in a full position to do verse 7. Um, and so what is Moses commanding the parents to do in verse 7? What's he saying to do? Teach. Okay, what do you think? When you think about teaching, what do you think about? What comes to mind when you think about teaching? Explain. explain. All right, what else? What else comes to mind when you think about teach? Instruction. Instruction. I'm going to explain to them. I'm going to instruct. What's that? Talk with them. I'm going to talk, explain, instruct to them. Be an example. That's right. Pass on. I'm going to pass it on. Yep. You think of the Old Testament thing with stones of remembrance. Yes. That's right. Teach them what God did. And so your life situations change. You can use those and say, let me tell you what happened to me, and you can teach them diligently. But it's, it's the, the stones of remembrance along your life now so that they can remember. Yeah, I love that. Because God's done work in our life. We can tell them. What did you say? I said spending time. Spending time. Mm, it does. Like Jason said, relationship, right? So the Bible says teach them in a certain way. How did he describe how we're to teach them? 
diligently. What comes to mind um, with the word diligent? Maybe somebody hadn't spoke yet, could share. Uh, what comes to mind when you think about diligently? What do you think about? Okay, each day. Is that what you said, Kevin? Each day. I mean, I, I'm going I'm to stay after this daily. I'm teaching them. Anybody else? Maybe somebody hasn't spoken yet. What diligently means to you? Intentionally. Intentionally, yep. Daily, intentionally, all these things. Love it. Um, so if we think about this for us, we're just saying, look, we believe that, that God's put on our heart His commands, and He's given those commands to, now that they're on our heart to, to teach those to the kids God's given us and teach them diligently. Um, now, he goes on, though, to say, let me go back to one thing. He goes on to say when and where to teach them diligently. What's the when and where? What's it say? Yeah. A everywhere. Anywhere and everywhere, right? What did you say, Dallas? Same thing. Anywhere and everywhere. And wherever you are with those kids, you're teaching them. Jason just said on the drive back from the Ford dealer, you know, they're talking about the Lord. Um, all these things. So great instruction, probably the best instruction in the Bible about how to raise our kids, Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 7. Um, so, so God has a plan, and we just talked about it. It's right here. And I'm hopeful that when we spend these, this time, these next seven Wednesday nights together, that we'll feel better about the plan that we've got to pass our faith on and to teach diligently to our kids. Um, but it doesn't, as Jason said, it doesn't always go as planned. So what might keep our plans from always working out? At the tables, why don't you come up with, with three things at your table. Come up, what are the three things that keeps your plans from working out? And we're going to list them on the board. I'm going to reduce your time to about three minutes for this, okay? So ready, set, go. What are three things that keeps your plans from always working out? It's been a pretty easy question. You guys had a lot of answers floating around back there. Um, let's, put some, uh, let's put some answers on the board, right, like a game show. Uh, so what might keep our plans from working out? Uh, I'm going to start back at this table, the power table of all the ladies. What, what was your favorite thing, what's your favorite barrier that keeps us from our plans working out? Discouragement. Discouragement, man, for sure. Yeah, thank you. What's another one? Let's go to this table. What'd y'all think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even Jason mentioned sometimes we're just worn out at nighttime and just can't think about getting anything rolling. How about the front table? How about you guys? So busy. That's right. There's days where letting the kids watch a video is okay because mom's got something to do, right? No doubt. Back table? The enemy. Enemy, yep. He's alive and real. That's right. Good one. Yep. You guys? 
Distractions, yep. They're coming from everywhere, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Super Bowl. It's coming up. That's right. Front table? Okay, yeah, 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 no consistency. It kind of goes back, Rachel, to not having a plan, right? Yeah, no consistency. Thank you. So we'll refer back to these throughout the next six weeks that we're together, okay? These are things to keep our plans from working out. Um, I, I want to take you to uh, back to 1987. So Mike Tyson, you guys know this guy? So heavyweight boxing champion of the world. Well, he was scheduled to fight a guy named Tyrell Biggs. That's a picture of Tyrell right there. And before the fight, now here's the world champion, okay, Mike Tyson. Before the fight, Tyrell said, I plan to beat this heavyweight champion. Well, that got back to Mike Tyson, upset him, as you can imagine. And he responded back. Mike Tyson said, everybody has plans to beat me until they get hit the first time. Um, so there's been some wartime strategists who use a similar quote, and they say the plan is perfect until the first engagement with the enemy. Um, and then things go awry, which means that we can have the best laid out plan we want, um, but something's going to come up to try to rock the boat, right? It's going to come up. Um, things are going to be out of our hands. Um, we're getting discouraged, distracted, get lazy, busy. The enemy comes in, no consistency. All these things can happen, but we can realize, hey, I'm going to keep working through my plan as I go. I want to close tonight just sharing that there are three big rock things that we're up against. I want to make sure we capture these before we leave tonight, just so you'll know so that you can name these three. These are plan killers. These are plan derailers, and they're coming at us uh, fast and strong. First, it's been said, we have an enemy. We have an enemy, okay? John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Who's the thief that verse is referring to? Yeah, the devil, right? Satan, he's out there. What are ways in which Satan might attack a family? He could do all those, couldn't he? Sure could. Get me distracted, throw me off my plan, get me discouraged, uh, make me busy, all those things. Um, has anyone sensed, just by show of hands, anybody ever sensed Satan's attack on your family? I've got my hand raised, okay? Yeah, for sure. He's, a, he's, he's alive and well at his business of attacking us. Um, so part of our plan that we'll develop over these next seven weeks, part of that's got to be our plan to thwart his plan and what he's trying to do, whether it's praying the full armor of God on our children, or it might mean uh, taking something, removing something from our house that needs to be out of our house, um, it may be the ribbon some streaming services that are a temptation to us or setting up proper filters on our, on our devices. There's a lot of things that we could do to make sure that, man, that we're not letting him have any foothold he shouldn't have. But I've always heard this. If Satan can't make you sin, he'll make you busy, all right? Because what does busyness do? All right, it throws off our plan, right? Um, if he can't make us sin, he'll make us busy. Well, that's the second big thing we're up against is our lives are busy. We live busy lives. And I'll tell you, um, we had a chance to be on several mission trips through Bellevue across the globe. And it's my experience, we're the Americans, the most busiest people in the world. It's unbelievable. And so many other cultures are more family-based. They, they more enjoy relationships than we do. Just real quickly, why, why, as Americans, why are our lives so busy? Why do we make our lives so busy? Why do you think that is? Any ideas? What's that? Never satisfied. Okay. So we want more, do more, have more, make more. Anybody else? Comparison. Competition. Comparison. All these things. That's right. Yeah. Out of habit. Yes. We're caught up in it, right? Caught up in it. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yes, right, Miguel. That's exactly. Oh man, it's a great word. That's yeah, Lauren. Yeah. 
Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Lauren. Um, absolutely. Now, is busyness a threat to our plans of passing on our faith? It is, and it's a big time threat. That's right. We have good intentions. But we got busy. You know, I was going to do that, but oh man, that came up. I was going to talk to my, oh, but that happened. It sure is. Um, a, a survey of young married couples on why you don't pass on your faith. Here's the top ones. We were busy. I um, mean, we were just focused on ourselves. We just, you know, was, I had my things to do. My wife had her things to do. Never got around to it. Second, don't know how to do it. Um, haven't seen it modeled. My parents didn't do it. You know, Jason shared that story, right? Um, great parents who didn't see his dad model it. Um, too much work. I got too much going on. I can't pass on my faith. Don't have time to do this. Too much work. Or don't have the organizational skills needed to pull this thing off. So I'm just going to wing it um, instead of having a plan for it. Um, so our lives are busy. That's a big thing that we're up against. Let me give you one more. One more is this. Our kids have screens, okay? I'll just tell you, this is a deep and discouraging black hole of what's happening right now. Um, when you read that, just those four words, what emotion does that fact elicit in you? Fear. Fear, all right. That's right, fear. Anybody else? Anxiety. Fear, anxiety, defeat, yep. And part of that defeat is we don't fully understand what all is out right. there, right, Audrey? We don't so fully. There's no going back. There's no going back. Right. That's right. right. Even yeah. the way of parents. Mm-hmm. But life in general, there's no going back to 40 years ago. No, that's right. Where you yeah. had to go play outside and invent your own game. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, how, if anybody wants to share in this room, how has your kids use of screens impacted your home life. Does anyone want to share? Hey, here's a glimpse into what's going on in our house because of screens. Anybody want to share something? No, I'll sit right next to them because they're getting my way. They're right next to them. Yeah. And they mentioned TV in the room and said, I'll be in the grove. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, that's right. Your twin fourth graders are saying, we want TVs in our rooms. That's right. <laughs> you can call me. So dad's like, no, you're not getting TV or a file of it. Um, well, there are days when we have, uh, it's cold or rainy or like last week or whatever. We, I learn not to let them watch too much mm-hmm. at a time because, and we have three boys. Um, they still have that pent up energy yeah. and they will be occupied for a time, mm-hmm. but then it's still there. Yeah. And Sure. 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 I mean, we do. We have fun, but I realized like it was not worth it. Mm-mm. The battle afterwards. <laughs> hey, it's real and it's here. Um, one of the realities of screens is it's an outside influence from social media, videos, shows, and movies. Um, how, how could this be an issue for Christian parents? What's on the screen? How could that be an issue? The majority of this would run counter to our values, right, as Christian parents. That's exactly right. Um, very interesting. This is a, and you can find these. This is one of the books that I love reading about on the screens. Media and personal contentment. Difference between heavy users of media versus light users of media in kids ages 8 to 18 years old. Those who, th- those who were heavy users of media were less likely to make A's and B's. Heavy users of media were more likely to make C's and below 
They may have a few more friends, um, but they're having a, uh, not nearly as good relationship with their parents because they're more spending more time on media, right? Um, less happy in school, get more in trouble, and more often sad and happy the more, more they use. So these screens not only can pull them away from us, but can really affect their contentment. We could spend six weeks, six weeks on this, uh, no doubt about it. Um, know this, though. God's Word tells us, Romans 12, 2, right? Do not conform to this world. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So media is sending stuff to our kids' minds and brains and their eyes that goes counter. Um, yet God said, don't be conformed to that. Be transformed. So as parents... We're the ones who are the gatekeepers for the media. So we've got to keep in mind our kids have screens, and that's against our planning. We've got to be really careful with how we do this. Um, I'll say this, too, just one more thing about screens. What we've observed in our home, the digital life will circumvent the relational life at their home. Um, has this happened to anybody in their home where the kids say, hey, I'm just going to take my food and eat it in my room alone, or I'm going to go to my room alone and shut my door and, and just be on my phone? Um, interesting. This is a survey question asked to a large group of teens. I want you to read that question silently. I'm going to ask you to answer in just a second. The question is, ask of teenagers, would you rather be with a few friends in person and not have your phone or be in your room alone with your phone? How do you think the majority of teens answered that question? The majority of teens say, I'd rather be in my room alone than to be with friends. Why do you think that was? Why do you think they answered that way? It's an addiction, and they're afraid of missing out. They're afraid if I commit to you too, then I'm giving up the chance to see what everybody else is doing, and I don't want to take that risk. Isn't that something? That's amazing. Um, but God's created us for relationships. God didn't create us to hold off in a digital hole and, and tell everybody else to go away. As parents, we're to love our kids. They're to honor and obey us and love us. And that can only happen through a personal, physical relationship. Go back to Jason. Shared time, shared values, all this stuff. So this is so important. But keep in mind, that's where our teens are. And that's where they may be going. If you have kids, it'll be teens soon. Um, last thing. On, on this, screen time in children has risen over 50% since the pandemic. Um, who has a 6 to 10-year-old in the room? Anybody have a 6 to 10-year-old? This is the largest, this is the group that had the largest increase of desire to be on their screens. 50% um, more since pandemic. Um, pretty incredible. That means um, more unwanted influences. Um, well, I'm sorry, it means less family time. And it means more, it does mean more unwanted influences because they're seeing things come through media that we might not want them to see and they're spending less time around their family. So we're up against these three things, just wanted you to know. But I will say this, end of the story on this, Tyrell Biggs. So everybody predicted that Mike Tyson would knock him out in round one. He went round one, two, three, four, five, six, to the last seconds of round seven, he lasted, which no one could believe he did it. He got beat by Mike Tyson, um, but he went on. And he went on to continue fighting. Continue, he had a, a continued fighting career, did not give up. And I just want y'all to know that even though these things can, can knock us down, and screens can knock us down, us being busy can knock us down, or we have an enemy can knock us down, we can still get back up. Uh, just like this guy did. And we continue to fight for our families. And what we're going to do the next six weeks, if you'll hang with me, these next six weeks, what we'll do is spend time on these, learning how do we develop a plan that even though we've got reasons, we've got enemies against us, we're going to develop a plan that's, that we think is workable that help us pass on our faith. All right, I'll leave you with this action step. Um, this week, this is the bottom of your page. You can fill this out. This week, get along with God. Uh, pray through these two verses, Deuteronomy 6, 5, and 6. Pray through Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 and 6. Just ask the Lord to reveal any steps He wants you to take. It might be that He wants to start with us. It might be that He wants to start with us to get us back to where we love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's on our heart. Those commands are on our heart.
So that's the takeaway. I want you to work on that until we come back next week. Yes, sir, Blake. No, I just want to talk about, you know, we talked about Deuteronomy. This is a command, you know, I command you to teach them on your children. Yeah. Uh, in Psalm 112, it picks up on that. And it says, uh, blessed is the man who fears the Lord and greatly delights in his commands. Mm-hmm. The commandment, it says, his descendants will be mighty in the land and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Amen. So kind of what you're talking about tonight is like, yeah. to do this, what it's talking about, it says here, will be the generation of kids will be blessed. There's a reward. That's right. And I'm going to pray that verse. Psalm 112. I'm going to pray us out, and I'm going to pray that way. Thank you all for being here. Uh, let's go to the Lord. Father, I thank you for tonight. And I thank you that you have given us a plan of Deuteronomy 6. And then you promised in Psalm 112 there's a reward for it. And what we can is it's been said already. Lord, we can see our kids all the way to the third generation of them loving you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, I pray for every parent in this room. Thank you for them being here tonight. I pray that you would bless them and bless their families. God, give them homes where faith is passed on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.